order in the court. It's time for Understanding the Law Radio. Well, hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, and today we are going to follow up with our last podcast, our last episode that talked about defamation and the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard saga, the trial that everyone is, can I say, glued to? I mean, I'm not glued to it. I hope, Hopefully, you are not glued to it. Hopefully, there is something better that you're doing. But hopefully, you did tune in to our last episode so that you are among the top percentage of people You're in the top percentile of people who actually know what the hell is going on with that case, not just what you've read or heard from TMZ. And I'm not picking on TMZ, obviously, um, but it's, it's fact that the news outlets oftentimes get the information wrong. So you're in the know and they're not. So to sort of piggyback on that episode, During the course of the podcast, I mentioned that the reason we're spending so much time on the Johnny Depp lawsuit is because of his status as an actor, public figure, and he's just entertainment worthy. And I was explaining that if that same scenario, the same set of facts occurred with normal people like you or me, nobody would care. We wouldn't be televised. It wouldn't be news. It would just be another lawsuit on a docket that nobody cares about. And I mentioned the fact that Mike Lindell, the founder of MyPillow, is involved in a defamation suit right now. And not too many people know about it. Why? Because it's just not as entertaining as Johnny Depp. Now, look, who would you rather spend your weekend with, Johnny Depp or Mike Lindell? Maybe you'll get a better night's sleep with Mike Lindell because of his pillow, but you are not going to have as much fun as you would with Johnny Depp. Follow? All right. Now, as an aside, and not to knock my pillow, but I actually bought one of those pillows because I saw it on an infomercial years ago, and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be the best sleeping experience of my life. And it's not. It's like a pillow filled with those um, those packing peanuts. That's what it felt like. I was like, what the hell am I laying on? So, hey, maybe my pillow works for some people. You know, the company certainly has sold a lot of pillows. It's a popular brand, but I've tried it, and I just could not wrap my head around it. Or lay my head on top of it. All right, let's get to the heart of this um, episode, though, which deals with, well, it's going to deal with the defamation to an extent, but really what I want to talk about is frivolous litigation because it's part of this Mike Lindell case. All right, now the case isn't against Mike Lindell. It's against... I'm sorry, the case isn't against MyPillow. The case is against Mike Lindell. And it's this company called Smartmatic who had filed a defamation lawsuit against Lindell directly 
because of his election claims that he made about Smartmatic and Dominion voting systems. Right? So basically, without getting too technical, basically Lindell stated that the election was rigged and or significant issues with the vote count. All right, obviously, um, well, not obviously, maybe you don't know, but Lindell is a big Trump supporter um, and was often seen with Trump during rallies. And so, uh, you know, you, you, you get what's going on here. So this company, Smartmatic, files this defamation lawsuit because they want to clear the air and get damages from Lindell for the things that he said. Now, one of the things that he said is that um, Smartmatic and Dominion were owned by Chinese nationals. Okay, so there's a lot going on here. And if you're really interested, you can pull a copy of the complaint it was filed in federal court. It's available online. But uh, I'm not going to talk about the underlying defamation suit. I want to talk about frivolous litigation. However, I am going to just refresh um, everyone's recollection concerning what are the elements of a defamation lawsuit. So here, Smartmatic bears the burden of proof. And if you listen to the last episode, you know that in a civil matter, the burden of proof is preponderance of the evidence. So Smartmatic has to prove at least 51% that Lindell violated defamation law by proving the four elements. So what are the four elements again, real quick? Number one, a false statement about the plaintiff. So a false statement about Smartmatic. Number two, communication to a third party. All right, well, Lindell did that. He made the statement public. Number three, fault of the defendant amounting to at least negligence. And number four, damages suffered by the plaintiff. So again, arguably, not taking anyone's side, but just looking at it analytically, Smartmatic has been able to establish some of these things. But not all of them. They need to meet their burden of proof. They need to show by the preponderance of the evidence that the statements were false and that Lindell was at the very least negligent in making those statements. So that's the defamation case. But that's not what we're talking about. So as part of the case... Lindell files a counterclaim. Now, we talked about this in the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing as well, because Amber Heard filed a counterclaim against Depp. And when you file a counterclaim, you essentially become a plaintiff on that counterclaim. So you, you switched roles. You're being sued as a defendant, and you don't have the burden of proof. But when you file a counterclaim, you become the plaintiff on the counterclaim and you do have the burden of proof, at least for your counterclaim, if that makes sense. 
So Lindell files this counterclaim in this case. And just last week, a federal judge ruled that the counterclaim should be dismissed. So the other side filed a motion to dismiss. The judge reviewed the motion and said, yeah, I agree with Smartmatic that these claims that are alleged are frivolous. So he dismissed the counterclaims that Lindell filed against Smartmatic and Dominion Voting Systems. So U.S. District Judge Carl Nichols said, and this is a quote, that he dismissed it because of frivolous and groundless claims. Now, when you file frivolous claims as a lawyer, you open yourself up to liability, to sanctions. Sanctions are, are monetary punishments. When you are sanctioned as a lawyer, that is not a good day. You are not coming home from court saying, yes, guess what? I got sanctioned today. No. Sanctions are a bad thing. So here, Lindell, whose attorney's likely at his direction, right, they were hit with sanctions. Now, they get passed on, essentially, to the client. Um, but getting back to what the court said, they said, quote, the court concludes that at the very least, Lindell's claims against Smartmatic under the support or advocacy clause fails on the frivolous side of the line. They also stated, as a result, the court orders Lindell and his previous counsel to pay some of the fees and costs Smartmatic has incurred defending itself and moving for sanctions. Now, in the counterclaim, Lindell, through his attorneys, had repeated the claims of election lies and um, stated again that they were owned by Chinese nationals, um, so, you know, he talks about in, in his complaint or in an interview about his complaint, he, Lindell is quoted as saying, this was the biggest crime family, probably bigger than the mafia crime family. They were part of the biggest crime in human history, period. That's where we're at. So that's what Lindell was basically saying in the counterclaim. And the judge said that this is a frivolous claim, that there's nothing to support it, and that by filing this frivolous claim, you, Lindell, and your attorneys who filed it now have to pay some of the other side's legal fees. And in particular, it's the legal fees associated with um, Smartmatic's defense of the counterclaim for filing the motion. Now, how much could that be? I have no idea. It depends on what the attorneys charge you know, hourly. I would imagine in a case like this, that Lindell is using a firm that probably is somewhere between $600 and $1,000 an hour. So, you know, um, that's what he's using. I would imagine Smartmatic is using something in the same ballpark. So if Lindell has to pay a portion of their legal fees and it took them 10 to 20 hours to prepare the motion to dismiss and the argument, and, it, you know, it amounts to a hefty sum. And sanctions are put in place as a way of punishing 
lawyers and clients who sign or file papers that are deemed frivolous. That's why it's so important when a lawyer analyzes a potential case or claim that that lawyer look at whether or not there is a good faith basis to bring that claim or is it just retaliatory are there no you know or is there no true merit to it it, it could it potentially be deemed to be frivolous it's extremely important because nobody wants to be sanctioned now this is a federal court case so the rule that applies here is rule 11 rule 11 is essentially the sanction statute the rule says that every pleading that means a complaint or answer written motion or other paper must be signed by an attorney okay and that that attorney must be filing that paper that legal document for specific reasons and that it is number one not being presented for any improper purpose such as to harass cause unnecessary delay or needlessly increase the cost of litigation number two the claims defenses or other legal contentions are warranted by existing uh, law or by a non-frivolous argument for extending modifying or reversing existing law number three the factual contentions have evidentiary support or will likely have evidentiary support after a reasonable opportunity for discovery and investigation. And four, the denials of factual contentions are warranted on the evidence or are reasonably based on a belief or lack of information. And if you submit papers that violate any of these subsections of Rule 11, where a court deems that you filed the paper just to harass or to increase the cost or to delay, they might rule against you and say, you know, you violated the Rule 11 um, doctrine or you violated Rule 11, and now, you know, you're going to be hit with sanctions. So Smartmatic filed a motion to dismiss and then separately a motion for sanctions which in federal court has to be made separately from other motions and state that the conduct by that attorney violated Rule 11, subsection B, which are those four points that we talked about. And then they ask for monetary sanctions. So in the case of Lindell, the court looked at his attorney's counterclaim and said, either it's frivolous because it's there's no merit, it can't be proven, there's no evidence to substantiate this, and uh, basically there's no way in hell that you can prove this. You just did this to harass. Now, according to Lindell's lawyer, they, of course... <laughs> disagree i mean you're not going to expect them to say yeah 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 they're right yep yep hit me with, with the sanctions uh but smart maddox attorney said that there's quote no legal precedent for the claims that are being brought this is what they argued in their paper i understand 
that someone can throw a lot of spaghetti on the wall, but that doesn't provide you with a factual or legal predicate for a claim. So here you've got a situation where, again, another defamation suit, not as sexy and appealing as Johnny Depp, but a different outcome. The counterclaim is deemed by the court to be frivolous in nature, and the attorneys filed it improperly, and I don't mean that they filed it incorrectly. I mean that it was a paper not substantiated by enough to support the counterclaim, and therefore the judge dismisses it and hits the attorneys in Lindell up with monetary penalties, sanctions, for filing frivolous litigation in violation of Rule 11. So this highlights what the focus of this episode is today, that an attorney cannot just file papers because the client says so. If, and, and I've seen this. I've seen this where I was talking to a, a colleague of mine a couple of weeks ago, and he had told me that his client was being sued on a pretty substantial breach of contract claim. He was a manufacturer of international shipping goods and the claims were somewhere in the area of 1.2 million dollars for breach of contract there's a breach of contract claim and the client was so mad at being sued that he wanted the lawyer to file a counterclaim alleging that the company with whom he had this breach of contract and they were suing him um, that they committed assault on some of his employees and the lawyer said okay if that's true we can move forward and asked for proof doing what a good lawyer does not just taking somebody's word for it and the client delayed installed and said yo yo well you know i don't have it uh can't find the people that were assaulted i heard it from somebody in the lunchroom um you know yeah it, it it definitely happened it definitely happened so let's make sure we put that in there uh but i just you know i i can't show you right so the lawyer says hey i'm not putting that in and then the client got bad and fired the lawyer okay well, who made the better call here? And I got to say it was the lawyer because sometimes lawyers get pressured or feel pressured into giving into a client simply to appease the client when what they're doing is not substantiated. Now, you know, obviously that the, the colleague that I was talking to, the client that he had was not happy with him at all dropped him, found another attorney, likely who's willing to put their neck on a line to file a counterclaim that is not based on any fact. But, you know, the lawyer that lost the client was probably doing the client a service by trying to explain to him, hey, you can't do this because you are potentially going to get in trouble too. So, you know, that's... that's um the important fact that I want you to take away here, whether you are a business owner listening to this, a lawyer, um, 
a consumer, whatever you might be, whoever you might be, understand that when you bring a claim, even on a counterclaim, it's got to be based on reasonable beliefs and, and evidence. It can't just be, I'm mad and I want to say you did it. You can't, you know, uh, be a commercial tenant in a property being sued by the landlord because you didn't pay rent for a month and turn around and say, yeah, well, I'm going to sue you because I believe that you, um, you know, made sexual advances, advances towards my office staff, right? You can't just make things up. That's not how it works. And sometimes I know it certainly feels like people make things up and they bend the truth, especially in our legal system. And, you know, I can't say it doesn't happen, right? I mean, when you take an oath and you swear to tell the truth on the stand or in an affidavit, uh, unless somebody can actively disprove what you're saying, your sworn statement is deemed to be true. Do people lie? Hell yes, they do. I mean, did anyone watch that that show on Fox House years ago with um, uh, Hugh Laurie? It was a great show. By the way, it was actually a, uh, a, a, um, a Sherlock Holmesian story. Now I'm getting far afield, but I do like pop culture. And so House was the Sherlock Holmes character and doctor can't remember his name the sidekick uh he was an oncologist he was watson he was the watson character in the show um very very good show very good show but anyway getting back to the point um because i've gone off gone off the rails again um the fact is that you have people that lie and there's nothing that you can do about it it's just a fact of life sometimes people get caught you know, and, and you who are not lying about something often will feel vindicated when somebody does get caught, um, but it does happen. But that doesn't mean that you should do it too because nine times out of ten, you're going to be the one that gets caught and, and have sanctions opposed against you. Now, I'd love to see what the actual amount of the sanctions are against Lindell and his attorney and how that attorney is going to work out that payment with Lindell. Are they going to split it? Is the attorney going to say, hey, Lindell, we told you not to do it. You did it anyway. You told us to do it, and now you're on the hook? I don't know. But bottom line is, these sanctions could be expensive. The attorney doesn't want to be sanctioned and have that blemish on his record. Lindell certainly doesn't want to just lay out money, but you can't make frivolous claims. You can't make claims. If an attorney says to you, listen, I can handle your case, but this claim has no merit, it's obviously up to you to decide whether or not you want to move forward. But nine times out of 10, that lawyer is accurately describing something that will get you in trouble. So keep that in mind. And, and whether you're a lawyer or a, a client, understand that you shouldn't put frivolous claims in a pleading or a motion or anywhere in a legal proceeding because there are ramifications. And it's not just in federal court. It's not just Rule 11 in federal court. Every state in the 50 states has a similar frivolous litigation statute that carries with it the same sanctioning capability. So be mindful as an attorney of what you're submitting. And as a client, listen to the attorney because if he or she believes 
that the claim that you are insisting on making is only going to get you in trouble, maybe you should listen. You know, Lindell, I don't know how this worked out. I don't know whether Lindell said, I want this, I want this, I'm paying you a lot of money, you're going to do it, and the lawyers just did it, or whether the lawyers said, no, this is a good idea. I don't know. But be mindful of that and and be aware of it. So, um, you know, and I don't know if you're going to follow along with the My Pillow lawsuit the way you are with the Johnny Depp, but I will make sure to keep you informed and we'll post some updates on the blog. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks for joining me. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, maybe this is your first time listening, you know, please make sure you subscribe. We have a lot of episodes, good content, interviews with business owners and um, legal discussions and everything related to business, law, and pop culture. That's going to do it. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Understanding the Law Radio. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. We're available anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, including Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also, don't forget to check us out online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again. See you next time.